millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, hello again. It's Full Throttle. It's the Bikes Podcast from Eurosport. And it's almost the end of the season already for 2018. Greg Haynes with you. James Whittam is with us on the line. And we've got a lot to get through. Argentina, the first ever South American World Superbike round this weekend. And perhaps more importantly, from a British point of view, the fact that Leon Haslam is almost certainly going to wrap up the British Superbike title at Franz Hatch. For their finale, their final round of the year in the Garden of England, the Kentish track. So, James is on the line. Let's get to business. So, James, first of all, you're on the line from Anglesey, which, of course, is generally regarded as the Philip Island of Europe or the Philip Island of Wales. How's it going? Yeah, good. We do, um, I do about 22, 23 trailers a year for the last few years. Um, majority of those are Anglesey. It's a beautiful place. Um, if you get the weather, it is very similar to Philip Island. You can see snow in the distance and the sea is all beautiful and blue and all that kind of thing. However, today we have a, what you call a, what's known as a sea threat. Uh, you, can see, you, can see, you can see about 20 feet. Oh, really? Is it that bad? Yeah, you do sound a bit distant. It sounds like you're a long way away. I feel like I'm a long way away. <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about Scott Redding then. It's been confirmed. We knew it was coming, didn't we? But he's still only 25 years of age. He's been on the MotoGP podium twice. Youngest ever Grand Prix winner at 15 years of age. He's actually the only guy in Grand Prix racing who's won races in two categories in the last 40 years. But can he cut it in British Superbikes? Well, this is the thing. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt in his pedigree. Anybody who's won three Grand Prix, they don't give them things away in uh, the bottom of cornflakes packets. You know, it, the man can ride a motorcycle. Like you say, he's still only mid twenties. Um, a couple of things. He's going to have to get used to some brand new circuits to him. He hasn't done a lot of racing in Britain. Most of his uh, formative racing years were spent in Spain in CEV. Um, and then he's been on the world stage for a long, long time. So obviously they've ridden Silverstone, he'll have ridden Donington. I think the rest of them, uh, barring anything he's done, you know, corporate sort of track day wise, um, I think he'll have to learn. I think the circuits he's going to have to learn, like Cadwell and uh, Alton Park and places like Knock Hill, are going to be very different to the ones that he's used to. That said, if he can ride a motorbike, you know, why shouldn't he be able to learn them? And, and it's going to be a lot of effort on his part. I think he's going to have to try and get out and do track days and do, do training days and, and do kind of uh, a bit of testing and get to know these places. But why not? The other thing he's going to have to learn first is um, the fact that he's got no electronics. So that's something that he'd have been used to with 120 brake-offs, barring motor two, uh, but probably not with, you know, top side of 200 brake-offs power like in, in British Superbike, so we'll see. I mean, there's no doubt in the man's pedigree. We'll see uh, if he's arts in it and if he wants to do it. And if he does, there's no reason why he shouldn't go quick. You get the feeling those first few rounds are going to be pivotal, though, aren't they? That's either going to make or break him and really put him in a good or bad place going forward. What do you reckon? 
Yeah, I mean, you can look at it a couple of different ways. You can look at it, he, he's going to hate Knockhill, he's going to hate Cadwell, he's going to be, you know, thinking that the safety issues at Oulton maybe, or whatever. You know, I don't want to disrespect any British circuits. I love the places. But if you're used to doing what he's been used to doing, maybe you're going to see things that I don't. Um, that said, you know, to win the championship, he's only got to finish in the top six the first half of the championship, you know, the first nine rounds. Yeah. So then he's going to know his way a little bit around there and he's going to have Donington in the showdown. He's going to have Assen in the showdown and he's going to have Brands. So if he can get his head round Brands uh, and it'll be a second time he's been at Brands, you know, why not? Um, he, he's, he, there's a chance. He doesn't have to do anything spectacular, spectacularly, you know, um, fast in the in the, the showdown all he's got to do is be in the showdown so we'll see it the, oh the other way of looking at it is he's going to hate the job and he's going to spat his motor gp dummy and um he's not going to enjoy it and he's going to walk out but that's the opposite end of the scale i, I think if he looks at it like it, i've read the press release he says it's the biggest challenge of his racing career i would probably agree with that and uh, if he approaches it as a challenge and has something he wants to get his head round, why not? Yeah, I agree. Attitude is going to be the key here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We had Shaky Byrne on the show a couple of weeks ago, James, and Shaky reckoned that if he doesn't come to BSB, well, you know, he sort of doesn't come. He could even sit a year out if he wanted to. But if he does come, there's potentially a big, big risk in case it doesn't work out. Is this a big risk for Scott Redding's career? I'm not so sure. I mean, we've seen people like uh, Sylvain Gintole. He came to BSB and then managed to get back into World Superbike with a brilliant ride. We've seen uh, him end up then in contesting the Motor Grand Prix. I think that Scott will be known as a MotoGP rider, and I think to get back into MotoGP, he's going to take some kind of circumstances where somebody gets hurt. But I, I do think there's a way back because he is known as a MotoGP man now, and people see him as that. I don't think necessarily the powers that be at MotoGP will look at BSB and think, well, he can't ride Cadwell, so therefore he can't do a good job for us if he comes back. I think they look at it, you know, as if maybe a, G a MotoGP rider would have trouble getting the head round Cadwell and Oulton, Knockhill and and, and and Thruxton and you know all them sort of places. So I think I don't necessarily think it's a dead end for him, and there's no way out. Well, as you said, one of the tracks he's going to have in the showdown is Assen. Bit of a different showdown next year, but Assen will stay. He knows that well from his Grand Prix days. In fact, uh, one of his two MotoGP podiums came at Assen, so that will be something he bears in mind. But what about Assen last weekend? First of all, James, some really, really nasty crashes through that chicane. It could have been a heck of a lot worse, couldn't it? It could have been a lot worse. Uh, you can't necessarily blame the chicane. I think the first incident... Um was down to the fact that uh, somebody ran wide. I think it was Tanner McKenzie made a bit, a bit of a mess of it going in and his line was all over the place. And because of that, Leon Haslam had to close the throttle. Because of that, uh, Dan Linfoot clipped the back of him. He went down. That was a, a kind of no one to blame racing first few laps incident that unfortunately Dan Linfoot came off the worst of. Um, obviously, Bridewell got involved in it as well, and I think we were very lucky that nobody got really seriously hurt in that one because it was a everybody were together could have been really nasty. And then the second one, the pace car had been out, and 
it was the fact that the tyres had, had, had cooled down a little bit and that left-hand side of the tyre, that was a little bit of sort of eagerness on Tanner McKenzie's part. That popped him over the bars and he was just really looking not to get clipped. I felt really sorry for um, Dean Harrison because he wasn't doing anything wrong and it would have been him that, you know, he ended up just about missing him. In fact, Tanner reckons he took a, he took a, a couple of stickers off his leathers. It, but the... The, the sort of branding on the leathers got taken off. It were that close. Um, but, but I mean, in racing, sometimes you need a little bit of luck. I think Linfoot and Bridewell and especially Taron had a little bit of luck in that case. And, and you know, it was exciting racing, but thankfully nobody, uh, nobody got clobbered there. And then championship-wise, to be honest, it couldn't have been any better, could it, for Leon Haslam? And the opposite for Jake Dixon. What a disaster. Yeah, complete disaster for Jake Dixon. That bike's been 100% reliable. The team's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, they've stepped up as Jake has stepped up over the last season and a half or so. And I feel really sorry for him. But, but you know, bikes do let go sometimes. And he, he just let go at an opportune moment when he needed to finish. And he needed to finish well. So really unlucky for Jake. Quite fortunate for Leon, but Leon was for his part, doing everything he needed to do to, to win the championship anyway, running at the front, pushing on. And, um, you know, that leaves him with a, I mean, I would say almost an assailable lead. It's only Jake that can catch him. I think there's 14 points in it. and Or I think, put it this way, I think looking at it, Leon needs 14 points. And then regardless of what Jake does, he can't win it. Um, and there's only Jake who can theoretically even catch him. Um, so I think, Barring something really untoward happening and Jake winning all three races and Leon not scoring, which is, I mean, almost impossible. Um, I think it's all but over. Yeah, it would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? 75 points left, 61-point lead. Surely, yep. surely it can't go wrong this time. But uh, anyway, let's just hold our breath and see what happens. What about next year then? Because we know Leon Haslam's off to World Superbikes. We don't know what's happening with Shaky. Jake Dixon's off to Moto2. Glenn Irwin's on a JG Speedfit Kawasaki. We've got Scott Redding with PBM now. It's a bit of a new era, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, last year, nobody really swapped seats. It was all the same as it had been the year before. This off-season, it looks like there's going to be a lot of musical chairs going on. Like you say, Glenn Irwin's gone with the JG. I don't believe he's going to be a JG bike next year. But anyway, the same team, the main Kawasaki team. Right, yeah, the Bournemouth team, um, yeah. It looks like his teammate is going to... The um, Ben Curry, uh, that's what the strong rumour is, but but nothing signed yet. That's a good step up for that boy. I really like um, Ben. I think maybe he's riding Salmites to the superbike. I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident he'll have a go to it at least anyway. Uh, it looks like PBM are going to definitely, well, they're definitely having Scott Redding. It looks like maybe he's going to be joined on the other bike by Josh Brooks. That's going to be a cracking team. Um they're going to be running the new V4, which is going to be another interesting thing. Um, new BM out that Tycho are going to be running. Who are they going to be running? Not so sure. They've, there's been rumours of maybe um, Pete Hickman on the new BM at Tycho. And then one other, I don't know. There's talk of Mossy going to OMG instead of Gino Rea. Uh, Aiden maybe is going to keep the other Tycho bike he might just have done enough um, what else do we know we know that Tanner McKenzie stopping where he is at McCams the strong rumour that his teammate is going to be Jason O'Halloran 
Hondas are keeping quiet. We don't know who they're going to have. Um, yeah, there's a there's a, a, a lot lot going on at the minute, and it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. I mean, I I'm a firm believer in even though we've lost two or three of the front runners, I still think that's going to be a cracking championship. In fact, it might even be a slightly more open championship because people like Buchan and uh, your kind of new boys, Karen McKenzie, are going to have a genuine chance at that championship. So I think it's going to be as close or if not close to next year. Yeah, there's a few tweets actually here, James, from uh, to Greg Haynes TV, to Jim Witt 69 and Eurosport underscore UK. This is Wilson, first of all. And he said, does James think Josh Brooks will go to PBM? Well, you've already talked about that. If he does, though, who will be the number one rider? Would it be Brooks or would it be Reading? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Um, I, I don't actually, I've not seen much in the garages of Reading, so I don't know how he works. But I can't think that he isn't used to some fairly decent treatment from his team. Um, and we know that Josh Brooks is a former World Championship rider and he's got, you know, he knows what he wants. And in that respect, he's going he's gonna to be, I won't say a difficult taskmaster, but he's going to know what he wants from the team and they're going to they're gonna have to give him what he wants. Um, that said, the PBM team is very professional. It's probably the most professional and well-run team in the paddock. Certainly one of the best backed. So I think they're going to have everything they need. There might be, I just think, that bike's brand new. It's a V4, completely different to the V-Twin Panigale uh, in its chassis, in its makeup, in everything. And th- most of their development uh, will have been to make it competitive in world superbikes. So different regs in Britain. Is it going to translate that? Is it going to? Is it going to translate into a, a good BSB bike? Who knows? Mm, that's a good point, actually. Stephen Proctor <laughs> sent a tweet as well. Uh, Stephen says he think it will be a fight between Tara McKenzie and Brooks, maybe Brad Ray as well. He'd like to see some consistency from the Honda boys having more luck. Well, I agree with that. But he says, James, who would you actually tip for the title? Looking at it right now, very early days. Um. If Josh Brooks can get on with the PBM, I think he'll run up front. Uh, I'd like to see um, I'd like to see Scott Redding get to grips with the bike and run somewhere near at uh, the circuits he, he, he knows. Um, I think Tara McKenzie will run somewhere near the front most weekends. He knows what he's up against. He knows the bike now and uh, knows the team. Um, who else? Um, difficult to tell. I mean, yeah. who knows? Maybe O'Halloran might have a good year. He's had a change of scenery. Maybe Yonder's been holding him back. Who knows? You, you, you've, and that's what's good about BSP. You can't really call it. I think Tanner McKenzie is a, is a given. I think he's going to be somewhere near the front. Quickly looking at World Superbikes before we go. Obviously, Anna Carrasco, first of all, made history, as we know, at Magni Core last time out. What do you reckon she should do? We know she's staying now in the 300s. They've confirmed that with Kawasaki. She's staying next year to defend her title. Do you think that's a championship she should sort of just make her own, do a bit of a Nieto and stay on the smaller bikes? Or would you like to see her on a 600? Well, I mean, now, uh, going back, you know, 25 or 30 years, you, uh, it, was, it was very common for people to get a class they like. Like you said, Nieto in the smaller classes. Um, one, two, five mainly. Most of his wins came in one, two, five. Uh, same as uh, Martinez, same as something like Stefan Dorfling, mm. who just won 80cc championships. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got 250 men like Pons and, and uh, Grieger and, and uh, Mang and all them sort of people who never really had aspirations to move up any class. They were sort of journeyman class specialists. Um, 
a bit more difficult now. People just expect you to want to be in Superbike or MotoGP or BSB, and they expect you to move along, and every other class is looked on as a feeder class. Um, maybe she wants to stop in that class. She likes those bikes. Um, you'd expect a rider who's done as well as she has in that 300 class to, to move on to Supersport 600. Um, but if she doesn't want to, fair enough. What she's achieved is already more than any other woman has ever achieved. So I don't think her not wanting to move on uh, you should detract from anything she's achieved. What I would say is, if you've won a championship and you stay in that championship, there's only one real way to go, and that's down, unless you can win it again, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is going to be a big ask. So, you know, maybe moving on might be a thing she should look at. But, hey, that, that's her call. Yeah, she's got the target on her back now, hasn't she? Exactly. Talking of categories, we played we played a bit of a clip into the show last week from you, Shaky, and James Hayden, um, talking about Stock 1000. And you were quite quite passionate about this. You felt it's mad that Dawn is getting rid of the European Championship. Have we lost a big step now to Superbike? Have they actually created a bit of a problem? Yeah, I think they have. I mean, I can see in some countries they've done away with the stock towel class, but then they've made their Superbike class almost stock towel. Stock trim, yeah. You know, they've allowed them to use slicks and maybe change wheels and brakes, but everything else, and especially engines, stay the same as a stock towel bike. So you can see that those classes will be too similar. Yeah. So they've done away with stock towel, and now they've got a really cheap, to enter, easy to build a bike for superbike class. In in world championship, they've got an almost unattainable superbike class where the the privateer teams find it really difficult to run a competitive machine like your Pedicinis and them sort of people really really struggle to run a bike that can run right yeah. in the front. Right, we accept that. But then there's no other class that that is, you know, potentially quite easy to build a bike for. The fact is that, that every, all the manufacturers build a, a, a stock thou enterable bike. So all the, their flagship, every manufacturer's flagship bike is a one-litre, um, four-cylinder sports bike. So why wouldn't they want to run in that class, especially when they can build a motorcycle and even privateer teams can build a bike for 25 grand done? And that is for nothing. That's cheap. Spares are available. Anybody can, you know, get one and, and have a chance at running right at the front. So I don't really understand why they've got rid of a class that's the easiest class to run. There's no stupid regulations needed. There's no parity of bikes needed. You just, you know, if that year, if the particular year the Ducati is better, well, more people will buy Ducatis. If the particular year the S1000 BMW is better. Well, more people, more privateer teams are going to run then. And what's wrong with that? You know, we were used to that in the TZ days. Everybody, if, if you're on a 250, you're on a 100 a TZ. Uh, Yamaha, you know, it, and most people ran Yamaha. So there's nothing, we shouldn't be scared of having a class that's dominated by one bike for one season and then maybe next year, the next, and another bike will have a slight advantage. But what's wrong with that? You know, it, it, it's that's what sort of breeds development really and they're easy to run you know they're on they're on stock tires they're on everything stock it, it, it's not that difficult to build a, a competitive stock power bike this is why in britain we've got an oversubscribed class you know and a competitive class and to get rid of that and now where is the step to superbikes you've got 240 horsepower superbikes at world championship and you've got 135 140 super sport bikes and then the only other Classes of 45 horsepower, 300. 
which them is big, big old steps, you know. So I don't know. I don't know whether whether World Championship is thinking about moving Superbike more towards Super Stock. Therefore, they needed that class out the way. I'm not so sure, but. I don't, it's a bit sus to me, and I think it's a mistake. What is strange, though, is that, you know, as you just said, you've got an oversubscribed stock thousand class at national level, certainly in Britain, and then the numbers have really dwindled. There's no getting away from that in the European Championship. It's half, doesn't it, more or less, the grid over the last few years. Is that because, as Danny Carrera from Dorna says, the manufacturers aren't interested, which seems hard to believe, or is it just because they're not promoting the class as much anymore? They're not promoting the class, um... There's other reasons why a class becomes less popular. I mean, to be honest, most most times it's cost. And in this case, it cannot be cost because it's easier to produce and cheaper to produce a bike. I think it's how the class has been promoted. I don't think that not having it as a world championship, you know, it's been a European championship, not a world championship. Straight yeah. in with those 300s, it was called a world championship. So yeah. why not for the stock tiles? You know, they go to exactly the same places. Give it a bit more kudos. You know, I, I think there's other reasons than just manufacturer involvement. There's no re. I mean, there's been times in World Superbike where there's been virtually no uh, manufacturer involvement, and people have run privateer bikes. Rumi won championships. You know, there's there's more to it than just factory involvement. And you can see the organisers are going more down that thing they're doing with Grand Prix racing, can't you? That structure of three categories. They're maybe going to bring some more races in, but that's the way they seem to be going. Yeah, that's a, that. They're trying to make it into a, a, you know, like a clone of MotoGP, which it's never going to be. You know, this is this is for me a standalone road bike based championship in every class, and there's no there's nothing wrong with it for that. There's a, there's room in the market for that, in my opinion, because um, all national um, all national racing is is bound to be production based bikes. It's bound to be road based bikes. Who's going to run? We're going to have just, you know, 40 uh, X Grand Prix bent in half, cobbled back together motor two bikes <laughs> running around in the national championship. No, we're not. We need production-based bikes and therefore to have a world championship and decent national championships is, is a good thing. And, and you know, I, I can't see why they're getting rid of stock out. It's the easiest class for somebody to build a bike for. Let's see how that pans out. Just one last thing before we go, James. Argentina this weekend could be interesting, couldn't it? I mean, there's this... <laughs> I know we were laughing about it with Freddie in the commentary, but there is a bit of an issue of some stray dogs around the area. But jokes aside, um, no data, new track. It should be quite interesting, shouldn't it? Uh, what? Um, at uh, Argentina? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's been loads of speculation. They're saying it wasn't fit to run. They didn't have the infrastructure built. I've seen some pictures. The place looks good. It looks really nice. Um, I think one of the problems they're going to have is it's brand new tarmac, and that sometimes takes a little bit of running in. Um, we've seen issues with brand new tarmac being slippy for the first couple of meetings. It might have been better to have a couple of race meetings there to see how the place ran before they threw a world championship at it. But, hey, it looks good enough. It looks a good shape. It looks quite an interesting track. I think you go with an open mind and you see how good of a job they've done and you give them the benefit of the doubt, don't you? I mean, they have been over there and done checks. They say the track's looking good. I don't think any curbs are there yet. I mean, they're probably building them as we speak, finishing the curves. But the track's good. The safety barriers are good. The runoff areas are good. 
So, yeah, I guess it's just there is a bit of uncertainty when you're going there for the very... There's never been a race event there before, has there? It's a bit of a risk. No, there hasn't. It'll be, it'll be the first ever meeting. I mean, no doubt they've done their own work, and there'll yeah. be somebody from Dorna and from the FAM inspecting it, and they should have done their job, so we should be all right. I remember going to Portimao uh, for the first... The first ever meeting there was a World Superbike, and we went, and literally... The, the the road into the circuit was still warm. The tarmac was still warm, and the pay, the place smelled of paint because everything huh. was fresh, brand new paint, brand new plaster, and that worked all right. And people said that was a brilliant circuit, and everybody loved it, and that's brilliant. So, hey, we should be applauding the fact that somebody's building a new circuit. So many times these days, circuits are getting lost, cut down, uh, noise issues, you know. So somebody's gone to the effort of building a new world class stadium type um, circuit good on them I say let's give them the benefit of the doubt and see what happens yeah looking forward to it it's going to be an interesting weekend well have a good one at Brands Hatch and I'll speak to you on the airwaves good man cheers Greg cheers Whit have a good day there Many thanks to James Whittam and from me, Greg Haynes, as well. So, different kind of race weekend this weekend. We'll have Brands Hatch World Superbikes first live on Eurosport and the Eurosport player. That's coming up on Saturday afternoon. And then later on into the night UK time, we'll be going live from Argentina with World Superbikes. And then, of course, a very similar program again on Sunday with the last BSP races of the season, all of the support races... And then, of course, Argentina for World Superbikes and World Supersport. So anything can happen there. Brand new track, no data for anybody. I would imagine they should be two of the closest races of the season. Lots of uncertainty, and we'll see how the new track holds up. All of the live coverage then on Eurosport this weekend.